Hi, this is Ezra Engel, and you're listening to The Voice. I'm reading Mark chapter 8 for Wednesday, February 26th. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way, because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About four thousand men were present, and having sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, Why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees, and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember, when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, Seven. He said to them, Do you still not understand? They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. 
but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Mark chapter 8. So in this chapter, Jesus does a similar miracle to what he's done before. He feeds many people with some loaves and fishes, this time 4,000. After that, the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus, asking him to show a miraculous sign from heaven. And Jesus basically says no, and leaves. He is not interested in playing their games, or trying to impress them, or prove himself to them. He warns his disciples later on about the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. They don't understand he asks them if they paid attention to his last miracle and says, do you still not understand? This is one of the few miracles that Jesus doesn't really explain plainly to his disciples. He's warning them about the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. And in other scriptures, yeast is referred to as sin working through the dough. It's not something that you can just take out. It's, it um, infiltrates everything and it grows. So I would, I would look at it like it's a cancer or it's a virus, Some, it's a bacteria, and, um, and so they need to watch out for something that they have fallen into so that they don't do the same, perhaps falling into legalism or self-interest justification through their own works. Whereas uh, the miracle of the feeding of the 4,000 was the result of faith and not works. And then later Jesus heals a blind man with his saliva, it's interesting that it doesn't happen all at once, that he does one uh, saliva treatment, and the man's vision is partially restored, and he gets some feedback, and Jesus does a second treatment, and he sees clearly. And I don't think... I remember another miracle. You'd have to let me know about this, if you know of any other miracles that Jesus has performed where it came in installments like this. Let me know. Send me an email to ee2612 at gmail.com if um, you know of any other miracles that Jesus performed where the result didn't come in one step of healings, that sort of thing. And then Peter answers um, Jesus' question, who do you say I am, with uh, you are the Christ. But others said um, uh, to the answer, who do people say I am? Uh, John the Baptist, Elijah, and one of the prophets. And Peter answers for them when he asks, who do you say I am? And he says, you are the Christ. And Jesus warns them not to tell anyone about him. Uh, which which is interesting. Why um, the modern uh, Christian church is told to spread the good news and t talk about Jesus. But during this time, Jesus didn't want it to spread too quickly. He knew that it would expedite a plan that wasn't supposed to happen yet. Namely, uh, his crucifixion. Jesus predicts his death speaking plainly about it, and Peter, who just recently answered that he is the Christ, he wanted to rebuke Jesus, you know, basically saying he doesn't want him to die and rise again. And Jesus' response is, is so firm, rebuking Peter. He's, he's re returning Peter's rebuke with the rebuke of his own, addressing him as Satan. And why would he address him that way? He says, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And that seems to be the... Uh, 
the origin of, of many sins that we come across, especially these ones that might seem well-meaning at first. You know, we want to protect our friend from, from harm. But if God's will is that Jesus dies as a sacrificial lamb to pay for the sins of the world, then anything we do to thwart that plan is sin. And when we try to do things according to what seems right in our own minds, while ignoring what God has a plan for, then we are stepping into the role of Satan as the enemy to try to thwart the plans of God, separating, in this case, all of mankind from God. This is God's act to bring mankind into reconciliation with himself and uh, standing in between God's plan for Christ to be crucified would be separating not just, in this case, Peter from God, but all of uh, fallen mankind. Big time sin. So in that case, it makes sense that Jesus would be very uh, unhappy with Peter's perspective. And then he calls his disciples and the crowd to take up their own crosses and follow him by thinking of the things of men and only concerning themselves with saving their lives. I will lose it. And those who lose their life for him and for the gospel, the good news, will save their lives. And it sounds like he's talking about when you let the, uh, the life of your physical body die, you'll save your, your spiritual body, your soul. And when you do everything to preserve your physical body, you could lose your soul. You won't be taking care of the things of God, the part of you that's eternal. And just to, to quote again, verse 37, Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Verse 38, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So let us not be ashamed of the gospel. I would challenge all of you guys who are listeners, don't be ashamed of the gospel. As our society changes, and its, it's opinion does change every generation, God's word as we read it, as we speak it, will become less and less tolerable in the minds of, of mankind. And as for me, I am actively standing and speaking it for my own uh, study and also for the benefit of those around the world who can download this podcast and are willing to listen to The Voice. Thank you for listening to The Voice.